0: Scale it Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, the world's favorite water treatment podcast. Folks, we have so many subscribers now in so many different countries. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for telling other water treatment professionals about this podcast. Thank you for letting me know what you want me to talk about by going to my show notes page, scalinguph 2 ocom and filling out a show idea form for me or calling me or going on the voicemail part of that page and leaving me a voicemail. So many people have done that. There are so many people out there in the Scaling Up Nation. The Scaling Up Nation is over 10,000 strong and that humbles me so much and that also energizes me so much because we are now part of a community. And I know you've heard me talk on this very show before how this can be an extremely lonely job. Well, folks, We don't have to be lonely anymore. We are part of a massive community that understands exactly what we go through on a day-to-day basis. So folks, reach out, find other water treaters, make sure that they're members of the Scaling Up Nation because that's how you're going to meet new people and that's how we are going to grow this community. One of the other ways that I personally try to grow this community is I reach out to water-based organizations. And I let them know that we have a podcast that reaches thousands of water treaters over 60 countries and I want to make sure that those organizations are connected with us and we are connected with them. We have so many organizations. I mentioned a ton of expos and conferences that were going on back in my January episodes but there are still so many going on and we just had so many happen in this past September. We just had the Water Reuse Symposium in San Diego in early September. Also in September there was the Water Pro Conference in Nashville. The Association of Water Technologies had their convention and expo in palm springs california and of course i was there for that one and you have heard some of my recordings from industrial water week that we just celebrated last week well folks i have a lot more information from that convention to share with you so stay tuned for that The Water Environmental Federation Annual Technical Exposition and Conference was in Chicago this past September. And then the IDA World Congress and Water Reuse and Desalination is having their conference and expo in Dubai, October 20th and 24th. They actually invited me to come. Unfortunately, I have something else I will not be able to attend. If you're out in Los Angeles, California in late October, the 23rd through 24th, the World Water Tech North American Conference is going to be there. That's where utilities and inventors and investors all get together and try to work together. And then the International Water Conference is going to be in Orlando, November 10th through 14th. There are so many organizations out there. There are so many conferences out there. Maybe you don't even have to travel. Get in the know about what's coming around your city. And if it has something to do with the type of water treatment that you do, by all means, go to that. You're going to learn things. You're going to meet people. And I guarantee you're going to come away from something like that if you do it correctly. And what I mean by that is you stay engaged and you get involved and you meet people. You're going to get energized and it's going to change the way you do your day to day. I promise you it happens every single time. It is a guarantee. Back in January, I had the opportunity to cover the Ashray Conference and Expo. It was here in my hometown of Atlanta. I took my own advice that I just gave you and I decided that, hey, that's here I am going to go to that and I'm going to learn something. I'm going to engage in the conference and I'm going to meet people that I have never met before. If you listen to episode 73, you can hear exactly what I did at the conference. Well, as I was at the conference, I met many people that I did not know, but they knew me because they listened to the podcast. Folks, I love it when you come up to me and let me know that this show means something to you. It allows me to get some joy from broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm just talking to a microphone, but you're listening in your cars, wherever you're from. And when you let me know that you're doing that, it just makes me feel great. So thank you so much for that. Well, one of the people that I met during this Ashray conference was Brian Fisk. And Brian Fisk came up to me and said that he listened to Scaling Up H2O. In fact, he had some information that he wanted me to share on Scaling Up H2O. Some people that he thought would be great to interview. I, of course, love it when people do that, so I took diligent notes. And then Brian came to the recording studios here in the offices of Blackmore Enterprises a couple of weeks later. And we did an interview for Scaling Up. And folks, that's what we are going to listen to right now. So please enjoy my interview with Brian Fisk. My lab partner today is Brian Fisk, of course, grandson of the supervillain Wilson Fisk. Does anybody know what we're talking about when we say that?
1: You know, I really hope so. Uh, I I imagine that now that Netflix has come out with that new Daredevil series, uh, it's become a little more mainstream. All right, so what the heck are we talking about on Scaling Up?
0: We're talking about supervillains and comic books and all that stuff. Brian, I'm sorry, that's how you introduced yourself to me. You said, just like the superhero, and I was racking my brain, and I was like, oh, I know who he's talking about. Okay, so now that I've completely lost the entire audience... Welcome to Scaling Up H2O. Uh, You and I met at the ASHRAE convention and uh, I saw another water treater there. So you and I just gravitated towards each other. We knew that we did the same thing. I don't know how that happens. There's like this, uh, there's this thing in the air where water treaters know each other. Well, it's just like
1: calcium and carbonate. Eventually they'll find each other. That was very poetic. Oh, thank you.
0: All right. So uh, Scaling Up Nation wants to know who Brian Fisk is. So if you don't mind, tell
1: the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about yourself. So uh, born and raised in West Michigan, uh, right on the lake. It was uh, a wonderful and awful place to grow up at the same time in that uh, I was spoiled. You know, in the summers, I would only have to, you know, go to the beach, play a little bit of volleyball. It was was awful.
0: Yeah, it sounds horrible.
1: Uh, Ended up uh, going up to Michigan Technological University up in the UP of Michigan. For those who aren't familiar, it's a very unique place. Uh, You get about 200, 300 inches of snow every year, which that doesn't sound nearly as scary as 15 to 20 feet. So,
0: (laughs) Wow. So we get a quarter of an inch here in Atlanta and the whole city
1: shuts down. I can't imagine feet. Yeah, there's actually uh, equipment that they have to clear out the downtown area and the streets. Uh, it's, imagine uh, a big auger, a big, uh, you know, like uh, a snow thrower that you'd have, except that it's about 12 feet tall with eight rows of teeth. <laughs> I, I just imagine sometimes looking at as that would be going down the street. Like, I hope nobody parked. Yeah, because the car would be gone. <laughs> parked car would be disappeared, yeah.
0: Sounds like something a supervillain might use.
1: You know what? I feel like that might be a trend. But uh, so, yeah, I I went there. I actually started off uh, first couple years as an environmental science major. I I was working, doing research from the time I was about 17, doing anoxic biological research, uh, looking at nutrient uptake removal, that sort of thing. Uh, And then I actually, well, I was going to graduate a little early. I was going to graduate at 20. So I took a year, Uh, ended up going to the industry, Uh, worked in paper mills. And then went to a different company and did an internship there, which was very exciting. Uh, kind of put me uh, really into exposure in a world that I had never seen before. Because you know it's hard to uh, for people who have who have done this. You know it's hard to to go up to somebody on the street who isn't familiar with any of the equipment that we deal with or really the idea of what we do to envision what we what we're doing. Absolutely. So uh, that was a great that was a great experience for me to be able to get involved in that. So ended up going from there. Came back my senior year. I worked, uh, did uh, a, a glass etching plant actually. So they did acid etching of glass. They used uh, hexafluorosilicate acid uh, with different blends, and I, I worked doing the the process engineering and the designing on that and some really cool fluoride precipitation actually, which. Uh, It it just is a fantastically difficult thing to do.
0: So you're smiling as you're saying this. I know you're a chemist. I mean, because no
1: other person would say words like that and then smile afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like when people say that their their least favorite course in college would be organic chemistry. You go, man, that was awesome. That was a puzzle. Yeah, that's all it was. SN
0: two reactions. Come on, man. Those things are great. So, so you went as a, a person that was getting their chemistry degree to working sort of in the field, and then you became a water treater. How do you make that transition?
1: Well, it, it's really a, a pretty intuitive transition to make. Uh, so, working in the field is, is it's just an extension of what we do every day. It's it's a little more challenging. Being a water treater because you never know exactly what you're going to walk into. Every single situation is different, but it's it's also fun in that regard because you never know what you're going to walk into.
0: So you mentioned earlier that uh, you were you were younger. So I think you're
1: you're about sixteen. Is that the the right age? I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm looking forward to finally getting my driver's license <laughs> next year. Uh, so I actually have to get my wisdom teeth out all right, next all right. month. So that that'll be interesting.
0: So I love it when I see new people in the water treatment industry. And when I talk like that, I make myself feel so incredibly old. I'm only 43. But when I go to other business owners with the Association of Water Technologies, one of everybody's fears is that we're not getting new people into this industry. So it just delights me when I see younger people into the industry. And especially somebody like yourself that seems to enjoy it so much, that finds it exciting. And I thought we could have a conversation about the trials and tribulations of what it's like to, you know, be younger, to be relatively new in the water treatment industry if you're game. Uh, You know, I'm all for it. All right. So you have no other experience, so you don't know what it's like to be 43 in the water treatment industry, uh, but you do know what it's like. And can I ask your age? How old are you? 24. 24. Okay. So a 24-year-old in the water treatment industry... I imagine that there are some unique challenges that you have to face. And of course, a couple months ago, we talked with Chandler Mancuso, and he said that was one of his biggest issues, but he was able to use it towards his advantage. And I wanted to ask you, do you agree with what he says? And, and how do you do stuff like that
1: if you do? Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's, there's just a, a threshold that you have to overcome where when you are younger uh, there's almost a little more of an excitement because a lot of times we're dealing with you know, people who are plant managers, people who are facility managers, that sort of thing, and they're, they're experienced. You know, they've, they've been in the industry a long time. They are, they're very talented, but at the same time, you are still the subject matter expert. So you have to be prepared to, to walk into a situation like that where you know, make sure that you're, you're always getting better. Make sure that you know what you're doing, that you're learning as much as you can, because there's still, there's still going to be that pressure to perform. And really, uh, you got to be confident enough to, to say, this is what I know, this is what I'm good at. This is where I think I can help you or, you know what, I'm not really comfortable with that. Let me go see if I can get the answer for you.
0: That is something that I've heard people that are very successful in this industry mimic, where people are scared that they don't know the answer. And they think that's the end all be all of any relationship. And some people even go as far as make up an answer if they don't know the answer. And I think that's the worst thing anybody can do, especially when the customer finds out that you were wrong. So can you tell the scale it up nation of an experience where that very thing happened, where somebody asked you a question, you did not know the answer and what you did from there?
1: Yeah. So I I had a a really interesting client back when I was uh, up in the upper Midwest working for the company that I'm at, where they had a very specific kind of niche application that they were looking at in wastewater where we were just going to be chasing our tail on it and ended up that uh, in that application, we were able to uh, find find a solution for them, but only once we realized that we didn't know anything. So that that one was, was interesting. It was actually a sludge reclamation project so we're looking at, at FFAs. Are you, are you familiar with FFAs at all? I don't know that I am. So that's, uh, that's looking at free fatty acid. So that is uh, a, a way to, personally, I don't think it's a good way to measure it, but uh, it's looking at kind of the freshness, the degradation process of, of how, how much of that has occurred within you know fat reclamation, uh, brown grease, that sort of thing.
0: So you were all learning together. They valued that you were there and working the problem right there along with them. And I'm willing to say you probably still have that business today.
1: Uh, yeah, we do. They're uh, they're one of our, our good clients. Absolutely. So we obviously talked a little bit about wastewater. So what is your day-to-day like? So my day-to-day, uh, uh, primarily I, I do power plant and uh, wastewater treatment. So I, I've Got a little bit of, you know, light industrial, that sort of thing. But mostly it's, it's going through trying to troubleshoot. How, how can I improve a, a wastewater situation? Uh, how can I look at, you know, the total cost of operation and, and really making sure that my clients are, are aware of that so that we can get better together?
0: I like it. Better together. So what are some of the things that you do to make sure that they realize you're on that journey with them?
1: I think the clarity is a a big one, just being honest with them and and saying, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is all the options that are on the table. Here's the pros and cons. If you you lay it out that way, it it can certainly help you. So if you were teaching somebody that was
0: brand new and the subject material was how to help the customer understand how valuable we were, what advice would you give?
1: Keep your eyes open, uh, look around, make sure that you're asking questions whenever you have one, make sure that you're looking at different opportunities because there's a lot of things within, within the industry that you affect, whether you know it or not. So just because you're treating a boiler, that doesn't mean that there's not hundred different applications of that within the plant. Learn those applications. You know, make sure that you're, you're working with the guys who are there every day. If you're stopping by once a month, it's going to be extremely difficult to know what's happening on a day-to-day basis because we're just getting a snapshot. Listen to what they have to say because sometimes what they're seeing, what they're hearing is going to be different than what you actually see.
0: Yeah, when you're there that one time a month, you can only get so much data. So why not enlist the people that are there every single day? Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to ask you about how different generations work with each other. Because right now in the water treatment community, we've got baby boomers working. We've got Gen Xers that myself fall in that category. And then we have millennials. So there are a lot of people out there that think that one generation doesn't know what they're doing because the other generation doesn't understand. I don't think that there's any issue with how people understand water treatment. I think everybody does it extremely well. The issue we have is how each generation communicates with each other and how they look at the other generation. So I had the opportunity at the last AWT convention and expo to do a panel with some young professionals. And I went out into the audience and I asked them, you know, what did they think of when they were thinking about different generations, specifically millennials? And it really wasn't kind. But when you get right down to it, the things that they described was from their own perspective. And millennials have a different way of doing things than maybe the Gen Xers do and definitely the way the baby boomers do. So all that is just to set up you being a millennial, me being a Gen Xer, and I'm sure we have a lot of baby boomers listening out
1: there. How do we all get along? Well, I I think the number one thing is, is figuring out how people want to interact so one of my favorite things to do here in Atlanta, you get a lot of time sitting in traffic. I love looking out at the the people who are next to us. We had a big thing here where we're, we're not allowed to use uh, our phones unless they're they're mounted and and uh, you know uh, we can't hold them at all, which is it's a great law. But my favorite thing to do is watching the people who are breaking that law every single day.
0: I think that's almost everybody in the Atlanta area from where I
1: sit. <laughs> and. Uh, you could tell you got the guys who are, are sitting here in traffic. And I don't mean to stereotype on it, but it's usually like the 50-year-old the guy who's over here with the phone that he needs. Uh, he, he should have almost binoculars. He's hold, holding the phone up to his face so close. But you, know, you got to look at, uh, <laughs> everybody communicates a different way. You know, Whether it's going to be, are you going to text them? Are you going to call them? Uh, are you going to email them? You got you to listen. You got to ask them, what are they doing that makes them most comfortable? Uh, And what what way is the most comfortable for them to communicate and really start from there?
0: Well, just looking at the table here, I'm taking notes on a legal pad and you have your phone out that you're looking and referencing and taking notes on. So right there, we can (laughs) see exactly what you're talking about. Well, I'll lose a paper. uh, I won't lose my phone. (laughs) Fair enough. You would be very sorry if you did, where a piece of paper is a lot cheaper. Okay, so we definitely use different technologies to do things like take notes or reference materials. What are some of the other differences that we can help understand each other with?
1: I think if if you just kind of sit back and, uh, you know, try to make sure that you're doing your job, always progressing, always getting better, always learning. That's the number one thing. People don't like to feel out of the loop. So if you can, if you can make sure that you're, it goes back to the communication on it. You can have all the answers in the world, but if you can't convey them well, then they're just going to fall on deaf ears. I think back
0: of some of my mentors and when they had to learn something or reference something, they couldn't do it in the field. They had to wait until they got back to their offices where they had to reference a book. We don't have that these days. We have access to any information we want whenever we need it. And I think that is a huge benefit for us because we have a question out in the field. We can get an answer out in the field. But if we look at different generations and how they use technology, an older generation might look at that as, well, you're not earning it or you're not working as hard as i did so i've heard that quite a bit how do you feel when you hear a comment like
1: that well uh, i always try to make sure i'm not in an indefensible position where uh that kind of thing would would happen uh the, the biggest thing is uh, it's almost disrespectful in a way because you know we're all we're all on the same page we're all trying to to get better together so you're always looking at ways that we can uh, utilize technology. We can take the information. We have all of the answers that we ever need on, you know, on Google, if we really want to look. So, you know, just uh, do do your best and, and be confident with it. But at the same time, you know, listen to what people have to say. If they feel uncomfortable in that regard, uh, speak up for yourself, make sure that they're aware, but, you know, uh, make sure that you're, you're trying to do the right thing for them.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here, Scaling Up Nation. All the generations can get along. We can all learn together. We can all work together. But the thing we all have to do is we have to communicate with each other. And even the baby boomers out there, you can learn something from the younger generation. And maybe you don't have to wait to go back to your office to read something in a book that has three inches of dust on top of it. Maybe you can find another resource that you can use. And And uh, sort of collaborate with all the generations. So we're all getting along here. We're all working better.
1: Yeah. Just please stop trying to look at that information on Google while you're driving.
0: Yes. Nobody nobody wants that. And especially if you're doing that, make sure you're not in Atlanta where we are. So you are a water treater. You're a very good water treater from what I understand. So I'm hoping you can help the Scaling Up Nation with some of the things that you do. So take us through what's your day-to-day you know, how do you get new sales? How do you talk to clients? How do you convince some of your clients that they need to be with you?
1: Well, I think uh, building off of the the topic that we just discussed on that, uh, there's kind of that, that initial barrier that you have to, to break through. So anytime that anytime that I'm talking to a new client, I'm trying to build that trust. I just came down to the Solana area about nine months ago, and it is extremely difficult to come into a new client, especially one that you know, you even already have the business. That's sometimes more difficult than prospecting, going to a, a potential client. Now, I'm curious, why do you say that? Well, you have something to lose, obviously. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's certainly a, a pressure to perform and do well, because if you don't, and it's a prospect or a potential client, you might have lost a little bit of time if you, if you don't have the business. But if you have a, a new client or somebody that, you've, that you're taking over, you know, account management for... If you end up losing them or if you're if it doesn't click or something like that happens, then you're you're putting yourself, you know, backwards two steps rather than just staying in the same. I'm so glad I
0: asked that question because we're going to talk about cold calling in a minute. And I know you're not scared to cold call, but. That was such an awesome answer because when you're cold calling, you have nothing to lose. And you just frame that up perfectly. When you have an existing customer, yeah. that's probably where you should be more nervous. Anyway, I'm going to let you answer the question, but I just love how you teed up our next, our next session. It's almost like we have a list of questions in front of us. Okay, okay don't give away <laughs> the magic of the show. But uh, okay, so you're, you're now going in and you're
1: talking with that customer. Take it from there. It, it really comes down to process driven for me. Once you' once you're in there looking around, uh, it, this is this isn't even new customers. this is everybody that you have. this is existing. this is you know accounts that you're going into every week, every day, whatever it is. And you know making sure that you're looking for how does everything fit together? what's the, what's the synergy? What are the potential opportunities for improvement for them? Because, uh, you know, if you're looking at doing the total cost of operation, if you're looking at, uh, like, I I do a lot of wastewater, one of the things you can look at is how does everything fit together? Just because if you're you're doing, you know, the coagulant and flocculant chemistry on it, that's only a small portion of the total cost. It might be, you know, the fourth or fifth most expensive part of their operation. You know, look at sludge hauling, surcharges potentially, uh, personnel operations, you might have... uh, know, acid caustic that are being used as well. So if you can work with them to help them understand what the actual total cost of operation is, that uh, that helps not only your knowledge of the system, it helps you become better at your job, but it also gives you an informed client, which is definitely something that we want to strive for.
0: And when somebody realizes you're working with them like that, and especially when you've given them tools to justify to their bosses why they either made the switch with you or why they continue to stay with you, you're a lot more secure in that account when somebody else comes in and say, hey, I'm a penny a pound cheaper on whatever this stuff is that you're buying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's the awareness of exactly what's happening where both your time and resources and their time and resources are being spent.
0: All right, so definitely understand why customers want to stay with you. Let's talk about some of the things that you've learned that might help some people in the Scaling Up Nation on servicing. Any tips or tricks that you can share with the nation that can help them with that?
1: Well, apart from, uh, you know, just running your pinks and blues, uh, you really want to make sure that uh, what I've had success with, at least, has been looking at new opportunities, looking at innovative ways that we can actually improve their process, that we can help them out. Do you have
0: any examples of that?
1: Uh, so, yes. I don't want to give away too many secrets, though. There are but, no uh, secrets
0: in water treatment. <laughs> there's no secret sauce. There's no special formula.
1: So we were at, the, at that AHR, that ASHRAE convention, and I, I got a kick out of this because there was one guy with, uh, have you seen those residential, you know, water treatment applications with the, the magnet that you strap on the pipe? Absolutely, I have. Fantastic convention, very busy. And every single booth had, you know, Maybe at least three, four people deep oh it was it was
0: packed, and I would say two thousand vendors there,
1: something like that that two of the two of the biggest buildings in Atlanta were, were being occupied by this convention, and the magnetic water treater guy was sitting here, I walked by him about four times in one day, and he didn't have a single person stop by and well, see, that's just mean. It's now. it was. It was. Now I feel like I'm being mean. <laughs> I'm being mean. Stop this. But there's 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 no secrets. And uh, you know, when you when you work well and you can find the right solution for somebody, that certainly puts you in in a successful position, which is which is what you want and it's certainly what your client wants.
0: Well, I know who you're talking about. And we also I don't think we stopped by, but we slowed down a little bit. And the premise was that the, the magnets uh, stopped corrosion in the system. So you and I are fellow chemists. And on the first day of chemistry class, they teach us that water's the universal solvent. I don't know how a magnet changes that.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I, I asked him and uh, he didn't tell me either. So I was very concerned.
0: So with that, you know, I'm sure you've got a great product. I'm sure it has an application. But make sure that when you're talking to tens of thousands of people, that there's some chemical basis
1: behind what you're trying to say. So it's not even that for me. It's you know, if you if you're going to provide a solution, make sure that you know what it is and what it's doing. Uh, If you can't convey that, then everybody's going to be just disappointed on it.
0: Brian, the whole Scaling Up Nation wants to know, how do you learn new things?
1: So, uh, you know, being, uh, a more of a scientific basis, I, I really enjoy, you know, various different scientific journals looking at, you know, even white papers. You can finally, you can get some ideas off of that. Uh, really some productive things come out of those types of things. Like, uh, uh, we have a very small and tight industry, but at the same time, because of the number of things that we affect, uh, you might not, uh, be able to find exactly the answer that you're looking for from our industry and our, our documentation, So I encourage you to look around, like National Institute of Health has a lot of really good stuff. Uh, You can look at different journals, different academic papers, that sort of thing as well. Because even though it might be on the periphery, it might give you exactly the information that you're looking for.
0: Well, I noticed the initial CWT are not behind your name yet. And I'm curious, how do you view the CWT? Is the CWT something that you aspire to get? Tell me about the CWT. And the CWT, of course, for the Scaling Up Nation, if you don't know, it's the Certified Water Technologist.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic program. I do know quite a few people who have gone through and gotten that certification. But for me at this time, uh, it just hasn't hasn't worked out timing wise to make sure that I'm prepared for the class, that I'm I'm ready to take the test. But you know, it is something that I, I would at some point like to get. All
0: right. So, do you have a timeline on where how soon you want to get that? Are there any plans that you have? Are there any other designations that you're going after as well?
1: Uh you know I'm just trying to to work on improve my own in- internal knowledge at this time you know working on the the things that I have to work on as I'm going right now because I'm I'm staying plenty busy that's <laughs> oh, oh without a doubt so I'm hoping here in the next you know few years to to begin looking at that I'm not in any particular rush on it but it is something that you know is is on the horizon
0: All right. And don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on you that you don't have those initials. I'm just curious. You know, we're talking about your perspective and CWT is something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I'm just curious what you're thinking about it. So that's why I ask.
1: Yeah, well, I can tell you're at least, you know, a little bit involved as I'm looking at your uh, roughly 485 plaques (laughs) that you have hanging on the wall from AWT. Yeah, I'm a little fond of the Association
0: of Water Technologies, but whenever I can get some new information about how we are talking about the certification, how we're marketing that to people, how we're uh, letting people know what that can do for them in the industry, I'm just curious if that's reaching you and if that's the message that you think we should be giving
1: yeah we have uh, uh, there's a lot of great uh, free and widely available knowledge that that AwT puts out there uh, and, and that is certainly one thing that I would encourage people to to look at so
0: what's the next milestone that you're going after in your career
1: so it's not really a milestone uh, but what I like to do it, moving forward is looking to continue to find those underserved markets the, the places where people have just you know uh, not really caught up with with all the cool techno- technological and uh, you know best practices that we have now. So, I, I really would be interested to see some of some of that industry, sort of that part of the industry, really begin to catch up. and And I hope to be part of that that next generation that's going to keep raising the bar.
0: Well, I have to ask because it sounds like you've have some experience with this. What's the most common bad practice that you've seen amongst us water treatment folk? complacency definitely agree with that so what's your advice on that
1: stay stay focused on you know looking for for new ideas new applications ways that you can help fix a problem before it's a problem you know uh so many people are reactionary rather than being proactive and as soon as you uh as soon as you're in that exact situation you know that's that's not good for anyone so make sure that you're fixing your problems before they become problems
0: Absolutely, and it sounds like you communicate very well with your customers. So it doesn't sound like your customers are getting surprises when something happens. They probably have several months of reports leading up to that actual problem, I would guess. Well, that's the goal. So if somebody new was sitting down beside us and they were wondering if they should get into the water treatment industry, what would you tell them?
1: So something that uh, that we've done a little bit with my company is, uh, you know, I'm very close to my alma mater, uh, and we've we've come up there. probably good three, four times to go do presentations for chemists, chemical engineers, that sort of thing. And just to, to really let these people know that, you know, we're out there, there's other options. You don't have to be sitting in a control booth all day. You don't have to be sitting in a lab unless, unless that's what you really want to do. There's more options out there for, you know, for your career, for yourself, for not only our industry, but all the industries that we affect. Is that how you learned about this industry? Did somebody come and talk to one of your classes? No, I actually, uh, I got an email from one of my friends who was uh, actually in the industry and said, hey, uh, what are you doing in, in, you know, two weeks? Do you want to leave school for a year and come work for us or what?
0: (laughs) That's an interesting email.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it takes a little bit of luck, but you can always, you know, put yourself in situations where you can find good luck.
0: What's the one thing that you want the Scaling Up Nation to get from this interview?
1: So I think the the biggest thing is there's so many opportunities to learn and improve out there. Uh, if you can if you can find something that you like, because uh, I know you have you have a myriad of interests. Everybody has their own thing that they that they really like and they really enjoy. If you can find something like that within the industry, you know, wear it out, figure out, get everything that you can about it, know everything that you can about it, and you know, be the best that you can be.
0: Brian, you and I were speaking earlier that one of your interests is baseball. So
1: uh, tell us a little about baseball. Why not? So, you know, uh, this kind of goes back a little bit about kind of who I am and, and why I love, you know, doing what I do is baseball is it's a single point event. Everything that you do, you know, it's you have one ball that's flying around the diamond. You know, exactly what can happen and where and you don't necessarily know how. So I love, I love baseball. It gets the, the nerd in me going a little bit because it's all analytics, right? So that's, uh, that's been a big trend in the, in the recent years with the industry. And, and one thing I do is uh, I love crunching those numbers and, and finding out, you know, what, what is the, the underlooked thing that makes somebody successful? What are some of the key traits that, you know, somebody can do, uh, you know, on and off the field to make themselves better? if that makes sense. So you might have somebody who, you know, from the surface of it, they look like they're, they're not great. You know, they might have low batting average. They might not be the fastest guy in the world, but there could be some underlying skill sets that actually make them extremely valuable to the team that if they're not correctly applied, if they're not put in the right position to succeed, uh, it can be very difficult to find them productive. But if you get them into the situation where it works they can be of immense importance to their team success.
0: It almost sounds like you're talking about water treaters.
1: Almost, yeah. It's uh, so I love uh, I love that analytical part of it. I got spreadsheets for everything. I got spreadsheets for days, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, you showed me one at lunch. <laughs> and it's. It's really uh, there, there's so many things that you can find if you just know where to look. Yeah, like that that one at lunch we had. Uh, so one of my clients we switched them over on onto the chemical that were using for tracing their cooling water treatment, and it eliminated operator uh, error and uh, some just natural bias that occurred in it based on color of the water. And I mean, you saw it; it was a reduction of ninety five percent of the, right, the, right. the the error on it, and it was it was very impressive. So. If I wasn't really sure where to look on that, uh, I wouldn't have ever found that, that information. Now it's a, it's a fantastic talking point for us. You know. I, and I love being able to go to my clients and say, hey, we got so much better by you know, just trying something different.
0: You mentioned that one of your pet peeves, to put words in your mouth, was uh, complacency. And one of mine is anecdotal evidence. I see more and more water treaters where they'll say, hey, I, th- I like it, so it must be working well, or it looks like it's working well. You and I communicate very well with each other because I like data. And you, of course, like to take that data and then put that into a format where you can prove or disprove what you're thinking of that account, and then also use that to keep yourself very solid with that customer. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, and thank you for that. But uh, it's, it's so critical for, for me in, in the way that, you know, my process, the way that I work to really have evidence of doing something Uh, anecdotal is nothing more than lip service
0: i cannot uh not disagree with that is that how many double negatives is that all right so now we're on the part of our interview where i call the lightning round as you know the lightning round the questions are a little bit harder the point values are double it's anybody's game up till this point so are you feeling lucky
1: Well, I am. And thankfully, uh, you know, I I feel pretty good about the competition here right now.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. It's you against you. And please, Scaling Up Nation, no wagering. So we are in the DeLorean and we are going back in time. And by the way, we were just in my truck coming back from lunch. And you can tell the Scaling Up Nation that I have a flux capacitor installed in my truck.
1: That is absolutely true. I was shocked. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I tell you what, we're not even going to get into the We're going to get in my Silverado. We're going to put the time circuits on. We're going to set the flux capacitor. We're going back to your very first day as a water treater. What advice do you give yourself?
1: So I, I think I just tell myself, uh, slow down and relax a little more. You know, you aren't going to fix everything all at once. Uh, you're just going to stress yourself out too much if, if you try to go at 95 million miles an hour. Uh, so relax a little bit, uh, sit back and learn. There are so many people who are experienced that have so much to to tell and are frankly, you know, usually very excited to share that knowledge. You know, just relax, listen.
0: I will tell you, in speaking with people that are newer to this industry, one of the common fears that they have is, oh my gosh, I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to ask them to mentor me or however that conversation goes. And just the thought of that is so scary, they never have that conversation. What advice do you give to the Scaling Up Nation to get that conversation started?
1: I just go ahead and do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. The
0: Scaling Up Nation wants to know, what are the last few books that you've read?
1: So now, Trace, you, you know me well enough that uh, you know I'm not a reader, but uh, uh, I absolutely, I, I, I love a couple things. We, we talked a, a little bit about one, uh, which was the automatic customer. Uh, really interesting look on you know, how by moving over to, to a contract base rather than like a pay by the pound, you know, it's, it's easier for everybody. It streamlines it. it. It helps us do our jobs because we, we know where we stand at all times. Another one that I really like uh, was actually Mastering the Complex Sale. I, have, have you read that one yet? I don't, I don't think I have. So that one's an interesting look about, uh, you know, what we do is, is a long sales cycle. Everything that we do is, even once we have a, a client, there's still a prospect in that regard. Because at any time, you know, anybody can make a change. Anybody can do something a little differently. So working to, you know, look at how that process is. Working to diagnose problems, understanding the why, before you even start looking at the, the how.
0: Let me ask, do you have a favorite water treatment resource?
1: So, uh, so I, think it's, I think it's called Drip by Drip. Uh, I think it was a James McDonald book. Uh, by drop, I drop, I drop by Drop, yeah. yeah. Which is all on my bookshelf, right? Over there, yes. It's a really good, uh, just kind of short, short little, almost nuggets, Mm -hmm. but extremely in-depth at the same time. Yeah, I find that as a tremendous resource as well.
0: And uh, that's actually on my uh, top resources page on my website. So great choice there. And James, thanks so much for writing that. So as young as you are, as much as you've done, you're going to continue to do a lot of great things. Eventually, they're going to make a movie
1: about you. Who plays Brian Fisk? So I wasn't sure on this. I, I know you ask this every single time. And uh, I put this out to uh, my college uh, friend group, uh, group text. And uh, one of my best friends immediately, like we're talking within, I don't even know how his fingers worked that quick. I said, Elijah Wood.
0: All right. Well, there you go.
1: So I'm not sure if it's going to be the uh, the Lord of the Rings Elijah Wood or if it's going to be the, uh, the Wilfred Elijah Wood. So I'm a little scared on that, but... You know what? I trust him. I'm going to go with it.
0: All right. Well, there you go. We'll see if he has the big hairy feet or not. And that will prove which Eliza Wood that is. Last question. So now you have the ability to talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why?
1: So, you know, being a big chemistry guy, um, actually, uh, our, our, family, our family name is actually Gibbs. Uh, relating back to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, I'm sure you are, uh, but Gibbs Free Energy. So I would love to go back in time and meet Josiah Gibbs big founders of thermodynamics, looking at chemical kinetics, I just think that uh, he's one of the most underappreciated uh, and most important and influential people in all of uh, chemical history.
0: What would you ask him?
1: I, you know what? I would really love to learn his process. Like what all of the insane, we're talking about the the mid-1800s, and he's doing uh, you know chemical experiments and, and looking at thermodynamics in a way that even today would be extremely difficult to do. So I can't imagine doing that without you know, strong electricity and, and instrumentation. So it really kind of just picking his brain and seeing how he came to some of the answers.
0: Well, Brian, I've enjoyed picking your brain on this episode of Scaling Up. I really appreciate you coming on and allowing the Scaling Up Nation to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Trace. I really enjoyed it.
0: Nation, I love to meet new people, especially when they're water treaters, and we can share stories because we understand the context that those stories happened in. And Brian and I hit it off very well. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I certainly enjoyed learning more about Brian, and I love talking to water treaters. I love sharing those stories. I love talking about things that other people in the world just don't understand. My very first episode, I wanted to start this podcast to try to create a community because I can never go to one of my wife's parties. She's a pharmacist, by the way. And people ask what I do. When I explain what it is that I do, they have no idea what I'm saying. Then they ask me if I'm a pool boy or something like that. Normally, I just say, yeah, fine. that's, That's what I do. Not that there's anything wrong with being a pool boy. In fact, I think I have been able to take care of quite a few pools in my time. But that being said, when you can talk to somebody that truly understands the day-to-day of what it is that we do, that is just exhilarating to me. So, I want to ask you, what are you doing to meet new people? Specifically, what are you doing to meet new water treaters? Every water treater has a story and I love to get them started on that. I love to interview water treaters and ask them how they got in this business. What do they learn day to day? How do they learn? What are some of the weird stories that they have that they can share? So, I absolutely love having this podcast because now I'm able to do something I love and share it with the Scaling Up Nation. So, Remember, we are all connected because we do the same thing. We are industrial water treaters and you are not alone out there. You're alone out there if you force yourself to be alone, but it just takes that one little nudge to step out of your comfort zone. Introduce yourself to someone that does the same thing that you do. And now you've got a new friend. I have brought numerous friends on this podcast to talk to you, the Scaling Up Nation. And if I would not have gotten out of my comfort level, we wouldn't have had a podcast. So I encourage you to reach out to other people as well. As you're doing that, ask yourself, How are you going to help the industry? Because if you're reaching out to people, I promise you are helping the industry. But what are you going to do for yourself? How are you going to help yourself learn new things? How are you going to help that person that you just met? learn new things. Perhaps you guys can be accountability partners. Perhaps you can take whatever certification the next level of water treatment that you practice is and you can make sure you hold each other accountable to get that certification. Remember, a rising tide raises all boats. So, ask yourself, what are you doing to raise the water in your realm? When you stay in your box, you're not raising that water. That water is staying at the exact same level. But when you do something different, that is when that water starts to rise. And if you start connecting with other people, it's going to rise all around you. Now, you might be saying, Trace, that sounds well and fine, but I don't know how to do that. And I'm going to say, sure you do. At the top of the show, I mentioned several association conferences that were all over the United States, some over the world. I promise you that there is a conference out there where you can meet people. There's an association out there that you can get involved in and you will meet people by getting involved. What are some of the things that you're doing to get out of that comfort level, to get out of that day-to-day box? Perhaps it's reading a particular book. Perhaps it's subscribing to Audible and reading books that way because us water treaters do not have time to read. And by the way, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible and I'll get you a free book and a free month to try Audible. So many people have written in and said that they have used Audible and they're able to read again. I can attest to that. That's what Audible has done for me. But maybe there's a journal you can subscribe to. What are you doing to increase your mind So technology is not running ahead of you. How are you keeping up with the regular changes of our industry so things aren't passing over you? So you can keep your customers informed and your customers will keep you and you will continue to have them as customers. You have to stay sharp. You have to stay up to date and you have to keep the people that you're serving informed. Nation, something that I want to share with you where the very thing that we are talking about is happening, people are sharing with me that they have asked particular people to mentor them and they've said yes. Or there are people out there that have asked people if they want them to be a mentor to a particular person. So that is available to you. There's something about us water treaters. We love to share information. There's so much other industry out there where intellectual property stays locked up in a tight box and water treatment. People enjoy helping each other. I don't know what it is about this community. Colin Frayne talked about it a few weeks ago. But if you start to meet people, I promise that that is going to open up the faucet for you to learn new things. Now, one of the last things that I will ask that you do to make sure that that tide continues to rise in your realm is continue listening to Scaling Up H2O. But do more than that, let me know what some of the topics are that you want me to cover in this show and I'll make sure to get those on. And if you know somebody out there that is a water treater, make sure you tell them about Scaling Up H2O because the stronger the Scaling Up Nation gets, the stronger our community gets and the easier it is for that tide to rise and our community to be that much better. Folks, I hope you have a fantastic week and I will talk to you next week on Scaling Up H2O.